Hello, Nathan. Hello, Trev. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, buddy. I'm not too bad. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. And this week we are talking about the 2021, is it 2021 film? I think it's a 2020 film. 2020. The 2020 film Greenland. It is Greenland. It was supposed to be released earlier, wasn't it? Right. But then COVID happened. Have you heard about that? No. What's this? It's this cough that's going around. It's funny you should say that because I have had a relatively new and continuous sort of coughing sensation that I've been trying to come to terms with over the last 12 months. That probably it could well be it. That could well be it. It's... But anyway, because people got a cough, everything's come to a grinding halt, including films being released at the cinema. Right. And this was one of them. Was it? So it's got it's got released on streaming platforms, uh, Amazon and HBO Max, I think. But to be honest, it felt a bit like a, a film that you'd expect to be released straight to a streaming platform anyway, watching it. What did you think? Yeah, it did feel like the sort of thing that you would just stumble across on Netflix, didn't it? I'm gonna, not going to lie. It was that kind of a kind of a film, but it's not that films of this nature haven't had box office clout in the past, though, is it? No, it, you, it makes you wonder how these how it would have done at the cinema. Mm. Gerard Butler's in all those um, what are they called pornos. Angel has fallen, and yes, London has yes, fallen. Yes, yes, yes. London's fallen. Yes, yeah. I know the ones, and they seem to do well. I think I've never never seen one. So. Disaster film. It's a disaster film, in case people are wondering. What's your take on disaster films? Do you watch many of them? Seen many? I saw 2012. I saw The Day After Tomorrow. Yeah. Um, They're both um, Roland Emmerich films, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I don't mind a disaster film. I think 2012... And the day after tomorrow, which were of a very similar sort of feel, were a sort of this could have almost a this could have been avoided if we'd have looked after the planet more sort of scenario. Yeah, I think this one's a very more sort of this is completely out of our hands, which makes me feel a lot better about it from the offset. If I'm honest, <laughs> yeah, nothing we can do about this big meteor. I think the uh, Roland Emmerich films they get a bit. They're a bit cheesy in places, aren't they? They're just there for the effects, really, aren't they? There's no fantastic story. It's all effects-driven, isn't it? I think one of my favourite, or I wouldn't say favourites, it's absolutely harrowing. It's really disturbing disaster film. It's called The Day After. Right. Basically, it's a, it's a nuclear holocaust film. It's probably made in the 80s, I think. It stars Steve Gutenberg. Um, and that was just, I watched that as a child and, oh my God, I was petrified forever since. The Russians and the Americans have had a war, bombs have got thrown, no one knows who shot first and it's just, everyone just slowly dying throughout the film, basically. It's it's horrendous. As far as I remember, it's really well made, but it's not a film I'd watch again in a hurry, if I'm honest. Oh, John Lithgow was in it as well. I forgot he was in there. John Lithgow, Jason Robards, and uh, Steve Gutenberg. Mahoney, uh, Police Academy to you. Yeah, so so what you're saying is, is don't watch it. I like a disturbing film, but 
I know, that's like, I don't want to think about that. You know what I mean? It's like the bit in Terminator 2, the dream. Yes. For two hours and seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a, don't expect a happy ending, you know? Is there not? <laughs> it's just, yeah, they just slowly die throughout the film. And uh, wasn't there, there is no coming back. Wasn't there like an animated book? Was yeah, very uh, Raymond Briggs, wasn't it? When the wind blows, was it that that old couple that are um, slowly dying in their house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that was tough because I think it was about. I think I might have actually studied it in history at school. I think we were reading it for history at school, and it was just that was really quite um, quite a depressing story. Yeah. On a lighter note, yeah. Did you ever see his? animation that he the the film he made about his parents ethel and ernest ethel and ernest yeah 2016 it was on at christmas once and i tell you what it's just about his parents and through the years their marriage from when they met to sort of when they passed away it's absolutely beautiful and just a real good sort of look back through british history as well yeah it's just, yeah, really great. I might have to look at that. Yeah, really nice film. So, uh, watch any films this week, Nath? You know what? I did. Oh, I'm glad I asked. Yeah. How about you? I have. What have you watched? I want to hear it. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> News of the World. Oh, the Tom new Han- Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Yes. Yeah. Is that any good? I... I like Tom Hanks and I just got this weird thing where like everything he does seems to turn to gold, but I really liked it. Yeah, I really did. I didn't want to like it because, um, I don't know. It just felt like a, I don't know, like a storyline that had been done, but it's, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's a good film. Yeah. I thought the young girl in it was amazing. She's got a very, her face, you know, they chose her very well for the role. She's very, strong memorable face visually like you know someone dropped a comment the other day actually t in valhalla kerry and cat we watched tom hanks news of the world on netflix this week save yourself two hours very forgettable but you're saying you enjoyed it yeah i did i think it's um it's it's hard to explain because there's um you know you'd need to watch it first but it's there's something that he's battling something that he's trying to save that you sort of really don't you know you got inklings and bits and pieces of it through the film but there's you know deeper reasons to why he does what he does uh but again it's it's very much about uh the darker side the darker side of humanity you know and um well i don't know i quite enjoyed it I thought it was a nice watch. Uh, what's your favourite Tom Hanks films then? Right. Um, Forrest Gump, definitely. Yeah. What's that, number one? Yeah, love Forrest Gump. Uh, I actually really enjoyed him. I know it's another big blockbuster film, but I actually really enjoyed him in um, in Apollo 13. But I, I enjoy yeah. the whole Apollo thing anyway, the whole yeah. Saturn V shuttle, uh, space rocket and stuff. So I don't know if that's so much Tom Hanks. Um Oh my god, Castaway. Castaway. Yeah. Castaway was absolutely amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. I think Castaway had an ending that you think uh you know how it's going to end. It it doesn't, does it? 
No, no, it doesn't. I like it that. Really doesn't. I like that. It's like, oh, oh, good. I'm glad that it didn't end. Actually, you know how I was saying um, everything Tom Hanks turns to gold, everything he does turns to gold. Actually, I've suddenly remembered um, the Road to Perdition. Did you not like the Road to Perdition? <sighs> I just don't. I don't because so, of the roles that he's done in the past. You don't see him in that character. He oh, does exactly not, the same. Uh, yeah, exactly he, the same. He's not an assassin, is he? No, he is just. You cannot see Tom Hanks as a gangster. <laughs> it's just nope. What about Cloud Atlas? Have you seen that? I have seen Cloud Atlas. Man, was that weird. I've not seen it. I've, that's another one I bought on DVD. I haven't watched. I'll have to... I've actually listed all the films I've owned that I haven't watched. I've got over 100. <laughs> oh, my God. A lot of them, to be fair, about 50 of them are DVDs on my shelf that I've chosen. And about 50 are like the paper CD DVDs that you used to get free with newspapers yeah i'm with you i always pick them up in charity shops so i've got a lot of those to go through i've actually been this week watching um i watched the spielberg documentary on um it's a hbo documentary all about spielberg and oh just brilliant just made me sort of want to go through my spielberg films again so i've dug out all my old spielberg reviews that i used to have on an old youtube channel i'm going to make up a podcast all about Spielberg out of that yeah so then I just started I watched that documentary and then the next day I sort of said to my son have you ever seen Jurassic Park my middle child and he's like no nah, don't want to and then I was like well anyway it's bedtime now or you could stay up and watch Jurassic Park <laughs> <laughs> so of course he said yes I'll stay up and watch Jurassic Park I've always wanted to watch Jurassic Park <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so yeah me and cohen stayed up and watched jurassic park and um it's a great film groundbreaking special effects he kept saying oh that's that doesn't look real look look at the t-rex's foot doesn't look real things like that you know it's amazing really how far we've come but yeah for the time it was great but the things that i picked up on with jurassic park that great on me are more actors in it richard attenborough yeah. He's, I'm John Hammond and I've invented Jurassic Park in the first scene. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the film, he hasn't got an inkling of a Scottish accent. <laughs> which, which is Scottish accent gone, John? And then, um, Wayne Knight, who's Don out of Third Rock from the Sun, the policeman. Yeah. And he plays Dennis Nedry and he's like, he really hams it up. I thought he was in Third Rock from the Sun as well, to be honest. Whenever his scenes come on, it's all like, it's all dramatic how he talks. And in this, it's, it's pretty awful, his scenes, really. You love to hate him, but at the same time, it's like, nah, rubbish. What's your thoughts on Jurassic Park? Um, I think they've done an amazing job of installing this global fear in people of velociraptors. Yeah. You know what I mean? And before Jurassic Park, you'd never even heard of a Velociraptor. No. And then after it, they were like the thing of your nightmares. Mm. You know, being able to work out and open doors and being intelligent and hunting in packs and sort of... Yeah. Isn't it in 2000 and, or 3001, Arthur C. Clarke, don't yes. they have like pet Velociraptors? They're gardeners, aren't they? <laughs> in, in that space station. It's so bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> They've cloned and trained Velociraptors to be our butlers and 
<laughs> such a, it's, you just when you're reading it, you just have to gloss over it, don't you? Yeah, up until that point, I was like, oh, everything he's written, R.C. Clark is like, so, oh wow, he hit the nail on the head. He's like, fuck off, Velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in one minute, like they're they're in a in a space shuttle before the space shuttle had been invented. They're they're traveling to the it, like uh, the characters traveling to the moon, reading a newspaper on a, on a screen that's like a tablet, which is basically what we now perceive to be an iPad. Yeah. And the 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 shuttle that they describe is very much like the Concorde, isn't it? Like you know, and it's just like oh my yeah. god, all of these things that sort of were very close on point and come to fruition, and then it's just like yeah, no, you really. But just... that was, I suppose, that is. We still got another thousand years before that, so you never know. It could happen. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just gutted that we won't be around to know. So anyway, watching this Spielberg documentary anyway, it's really great. But it got me looking at Spielberg films. But um, Greenland did put me in mind of his War of the, Spielberg's War of the Worlds quite a bit. Right. Like the family sort of fleeing and... The Tom Cruise sort of yeah, version we're yeah. talking here. Yes, it definitely did. Sort of the the scene that's resonating with me right now is the bit with the um, is it the ferry or the boat where they're trying to get across the water? I I can't remember Waterworlds. I watched it. I dismissed it. I was very sort of anti Tom Cruise back then, and I was I was almost heartbroken that Spielberg was using Tom Cruise to play an everyman. You know, at that point. And yeah. I need to watch it again because I used to love Spielberg's films and that he'd always choose someone sort of more down to earth to play the, the lead the, the lead role. It was like Richard Dreyfus, Roy Schneider, you know? Yeah, yeah. Always someone you could root for. Whereas Tom Cruise, as soon as he used Tom Cruise in War of the Worlds, yeah. Tom Cruise is like, I gotta go, I gotta go pick my son up. He's he's loading containers on a container ship. Yeah. You can't go now. We've got 300 containers to load. Well, you're going to have to get someone else to load them. But you're the best goddamn container loader in the world. <laughs> it's just like, oh, for Christ's sake, Tom Cruise is in this. Should we talk about Greenland? What do you make of it? Right. Okay. Well, I enjoyed the film. Uh, it was pleasant to see. So the lead actress who plays Jared Butler's wife in the film, or... Uh, the woman with which he's trying to repair their marriage or whatever. Morena Bakarin. Right, yes, good. (laughs) Listen to We we Need to Talk About Movies, where we need to learn how to pronounce people's names. Actors and characters' names. Yeah. Well, Morena Bakarin. She is a very attractive actress, and I really enjoyed her role in Deadpool, actually. Oh, I saw that she was in Deadpool. Yeah, not not just because she was, you know, um, sexy and scantily clad, but she just, uh, she had a certain attitude and sassiness that she brought to the role that I really enjoyed, like, you know? Yeah. And it was brilliant to see her in this as a, in a completely different role. And, um, yeah, so I enjoyed, I like Gerard Butler as an actor and I like her as an actress. So I was like, bright, brilliant, this is winning so far. And then I think the pace of the film, they got the pace of the film right as well. You know, it, it just, it wasn't too hectic. It wasn't too slow. Uh, it didn't seem to linger unnecessarily at any point. It just felt like a really nice, nice pace all the way through. Yeah, you know? it kept, kept moving, didn't it? Yeah. And 
unlike the um, other films that people are inevitably going to compare it to, like 2012 and The Day After Tomorrow, it is an uncontrollable natural phenomenon. Phenomenon? Phenomenon. I'm not even going to attempt to say that again. I lost, I lost my words. Yeah. Anyway, it's beyond our control, which means there isn't that attachment of guilt over the top of it that I felt in 2012 yeah. and the day after tomorrow, which was great. So yeah. How about you, mate? Yeah, I did enjoy it. I liked it. Um, I think I didn't really want to watch it. My wife kept saying, oh, we should watch that. And I was like, oh, yeah. Um, but I did enjoy it a lot more than I anticipated. Would you say that as a sort of style of film or a genre, it's not really your sort of thing? Or It's... I like the idea of disaster films, but they usually sort of... Like I say, with those, uh, the day after tomorrow, 2012, deep impact. Armageddon, don't even talk about Armageddon. I forgot about Armageddon, if I'm honest. (laughs) (laughs) Those films, they just sort of miss the mark. They all miss the mark. Yeah. I remember seeing Deep Impact and thinking, oh, that looks awesome, seeing the trailer. Yeah. But we watched two hours of this film only to see... The special effects that we went there to watch it for was literally the last two minutes of the film anyway. Yeah. We sat through it all just to see the trailer at the end. Um But yeah, no, this one I did I did enjoy it. I liked like how they was all excited at the beginning and it was all you know, they was having an event, weren't they? Having a party until he gets his that that text message in the uh in the shop in the supermarket. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, it all changes for him, and he's like, "Oh shit!" But ha- it just sort of opens up a lot of questions. That I think were really good. He's being saved, but how? You know, then you've got to leave all your friends, your neighbours, all there, and they're trying to palm the door off. Is a real. That's quite a realistic sort of thing to draw on, you know, for this sort of film. I liked. As a parent myself, it did ask a lot of questions that you sort of don't want to have to contemplate answering. Oh, it's really hard. Yeah. What would you do? What would you do in that situation? Because, you know, he was quite right. Like, what am I going to do? Take her there just to be denied. For her to be turned away. And then she's going to be there on her own. Or all of us to be turned away. What I did think is that the news, I mean, I know it's a film and it's just moving the story on, but they got details in almost instantly, that news broadcast, you know? Yes, yeah. And I just thought, that never happened. <laughs> That's how picky I am with films. <laughs> I watch things like that and go, they'd never have got all them details in. It's like, hang on a minute, two two seconds ago, you was all yeah. cheering. And now you're like, you've got every detail. The thing that The thing that makes me wonder about that is whether it, to avert panic, because... He's being told that they clearly know the big one's going to hit somewhere because he's being told whilst he's at the supermarket before he goes back to the barbecue. Yeah. That he's going to be requested to isolate for his, or, you know, to go and um, go to this bunker or whatever. To get to the airport, isn't it? To get out. Yeah. So have they just kept it quiet as long as they could? And then obviously after the first impact, there was no way they were going to be able to keep quiet. 
but, makes you wonder if there is something like that in place in case a situation like this ever ever did occur. Well, here's an interesting question for you, right? I might be interesting. Would you, in that scenario, would you, if there was absolutely nothing you could do about it, would you rather know or not know? This is what we were saying watching it. There's so many times in this film where you think, oh, I don't know if I'd go to all this effort. You know, you don't know you're going to get to the end. And we sort of said, we'd probably just switch all the lights, switch all the telly and that off and just like, come on kids, we're playing board games. You know, do something to distract the children and just sit it out and just think, right, hopefully when it hits, we won't know anything about it. Just, yeah, you know. So, Here's a question again. Sorry, I'm full of them tonight. Seeking a friend for the end of the world. Seeking a friend for the end of the world. What do you What do you mean? Have you seen it? Have I seen Seeking a Friend for the End of the World? No, I haven't. No, I've not heard of that. Steve Carell and Kira Knightley. All oh, right. No. Oh my God! You need to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a basically it is the flip side of Gerard Butler. They do basically exactly what. It's a film all about how you would behave given the end of the world, like ignore everything else and just try and be normal and sort of live it out, you know? Oh, right. Yeah, I think I need to look that one up then. I watched it on Netflix last year. It's brilliant. Loved it. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I definitely recommend watching it. I'd be the same as you, mate. I'd basically, given the situation, knowing that something was going to happen and someone said, oh, you've, you know, 28 hours, this is going to happen. It's probably going to be an extinction level event. I'd probably rather not know and find something to do quite enjoyable and just try and ignore it because the one thing that uh, this film does get across once it becomes evident what's going to happen is the real dark side of humanity. Oh, yeah. It goes to some really dark places, doesn't it? Yeah. Some Um, really horrifying dark places really quickly this is the thing the whole journey with his family i just think i wouldn't want to put my family through that no they get split up almost immediately don't they and then you know the boy for anyone who hasn't seen it the boy is uh diabetic so that's a fear straight away if you're going into a bunker is there going to be enough medicine for your boy to survive for however long you've got to be down there yeah and that's obviously an issue from the outset. And that's what causes them to separate. You know, he leaves it in the car when they're meant to be getting on the plane. And then that, I mean, it's its gripping. You're on the edge of your seat. But watching it as a father, as a, you know, a family man, there's so many things I'm thinking, oh, God, don't leave them or have more of a plan. Tell them to stand there. Don't, I don't know. And they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just go, go missing. And then it's a fucking nightmare trying to. That, that, I'm terrible with things like that. The scene at the first airbase, that gets out of hand fast, doesn't it? Yeah. The first airstrip there, when it starts getting overrun and military personnel, you know, oh, oh my God, the, the, the woman working at the first airbase who's delegating sort of human traffic control, I suppose, you know, who goes, who doesn't, blah, blah, blah. When she turns around and explains that she's not been chosen... She's not going. She's just doing that. Yeah, she's doing her job. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, you know, and, and she's, you know, telling this, I don't know, uh, how how spoiler alert are we at this precise moment? What level is the spoiler alert at? Are we at Amber yet? 
as long as we're not giving away the plot and how certain things. So we're not talking about characters, plots, actors, directors. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just say, yeah, God, we're going to spoil the shit out of this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, I know. You were saying. <laughs> yep. So, so she's turned around, and you know uh, whether she's a family woman or not, and she's explaining to this woman and her child that they are not allowed on the plane. They're not allowed to go. They shouldn't have been allowed to get this far because her son has diabetes. And nobody wants to be put in that position. I mean, just being that person to say no to anyone. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. She starts to sort of mouth off to this woman, doesn't she? Yeah. You know, she's like, what would you do if your family couldn't get on? My family hasn't been selected. None of us are going on. It's just, uh, that's it's like that at airports anyway isn't it <laughs> people having a go at that woman on the front desk and you just yeah for christ's sake she's doing her job you know you see it every time you go someone's shouting and mouthing off just people are horrible in airports it's like i said to dono in that airport scene i said that's what's like at an airport <laughs> don't matter if it's the end of the world or not that's how i feel at an airport <laughs> easily frustrated yeah yeah don't do it. Just don't travel. No. Well, I, we ain't got that choice at the moment, so... <laughs> no, but I, I tell you what, actually, I reckon right now airports would be a pretty nice place to hang out. <laughs> yeah. But, yes, so it's... Um, they get denied and uh, they get turned away. But at this point, the issue is is that they've been separated because uh, Leonidas has run back for the... Um, run back for the insulin, isn't he? He has, yeah. That's took us a long time to get there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's going to be a long one, isn't it? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, and that's when it all, you know, he comes back. They've got turned away. They've all split up there. She's gone back to the car. They should have just waited at the car, shouldn't they? That's it. I mean, he's, he's nearly, literally, he nearly gets... He's on the plane. They nearly take off. If it isn't for someone pointing out to him, how did you get on? How did you get accepted? You've got the insulin. Because, yeah, yeah my sister or whatever got turned away for being diabetic. It suddenly clicks in his head. Mm. No way. They've, they've not let my family on this plane. And then he's off. And this at this point, the carnage. They're rushing the field, so to speak, where the, the everybody who's outside charges into the airbase. And now you've got military personnel shooting civilians yeah. to protect the people that have been chosen to go on the planes. And that's just it like, does, it, wow. Uh, but a few scenes in this felt a bit action-y to me and sort of removed me from the story. Right. I think the shot where it's the plane blows up and it's all this slow motion explosion and he's flowing through the air. I don't know. It, it feels like a movie at that point to me rather than a, a story of the characters and the human plight. There's a few bits in this where I felt that. Um, the fight he has in the back of that truck, he's chatting to the nice chap who's like, oh, we'll, you know, we're going to yeah. Canada. And then the bloke across, sat across from him, carrying a hammer, is trying to kill him for his the wristband so they can use it to get, get away when they're all going away anyway it's like yeah so then that fight became it's like oh it felt like a almost a an action scene rather than a real i i I quite 
I mean, I don't think um, it didn't have the cleanliness of, of like an action scene. You know, it felt quite dirty and gritty by the side of the road. You couldn't really see what was going on exactly. And, and you know, just that unintentional swing with a hammer. It was, and the devastation on his face as well. You know what I mean? It, it sort of, there were, I get what you're saying, but they were, they definitely put strong, strong intentional elements in it to try and keep it as yeah, away from the action as just, possible. I don't know. It's like, oh, they've dropped the hammer. Now they're both scrambling for the hammer. And then he's like, it's like, oh, I don't know. It did seem a bit choreographed to me. And it's like, we've got Gerard Butler. We need to make this an action scene. You know, he's got to have an action scene in it. He's got to kill someone. That's <laughs> what he does. Um, I was looking as well, when I was looking through, like, Wikipedia and what have you, um, this was actually going to be directed originally by Neil Blomkamp, who's the right. South African director of uh, District 9 and Elysium. Oh, no way. Yeah. So I think it might have been a different film if he'd had been in it, if he'd have done it. And it was going to originally star Chris Evans. Right. Not off the radio. No. Captain America. Yeah. So that would have been a different film. I don't know. I've only seen Chris Evans in Captain America and Knives Out. And I thought he's good in Knives Out. <laughs> Captain America, if, I, if I'm honest, isn't my favourite Marvel character. I think there was another film that I watched where he, he was in, which might have been with... He was like a trumpet player, maybe, and he was uh, just stranded in an American city and he, he bumps into this woman and they just have this really random evening. And it was just quite quite a fun little film. I can't remember for the life of me what it was called, but I, I quite like uh, Chris Evans as an actor, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah. He seems a bit more... Well, he's a younger chap, isn't he? I think with... Um... Gerard Butler, you're getting a more rugged, not so shiny person. You know, Chris Evans seems a bit shiny, doesn't he? Yeah. Whereas Gerard Butler's a bit, he does seem like a normal chap, as you say. Yeah. Even though he's got yeah. to have this fighty side. Yeah, and he's very much more, you'd like to consider him more of a sort of dad kind of guy than Chris Evans, wouldn't you? Yeah. It would have been a completely different film. And it makes you think how they would have fit. Which role Sholto Copley would have had in it? Because he's in all Neil Blomkamp's films, isn't he? The bloke out of District 9. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder who he would have ended up playing in Greenland. Yeah, because he was too important to be a neighbour, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the chap in the car. It's not a a big role, but, you know, going back to the film, the family split up. The scene where the mother and the son split up... For those of you who haven't watched it, who are still here listening to the spoilers, <laughs> <laughs> they're in the car. the The dad, the, it's a, a man and a woman driving the car. They seem nice until the, the bloke gets it in his head. He sees the bands, the wristbands, and he's thinking, "I can use the wristbands to get on those planes." So he basically throws the mother out, rips off her band, and they're going to use the two bands to try and get on the planes. But it doesn't go to plan for them. Just that moment of separation. Oh, it's a, a nightmare. A nightmare for a parent. Yeah, every parent's worst nightmare, eh? Mm. As harrowing as it was, we, I couldn't help but think, why is the boy just 
not just jumped out of the car. He's just sat there going, no, no. It's like, you're nine years old. You can operate a seatbelt. Yeah. You have legs. Jump out the fucking car. It's, yeah. uh, but they, they, they end up in the car because she's gone to a, um, because they get separated, she doesn't have any insulin for her son. So they've gone to a pharmacist, haven't they? Yeah. And uh, the pharmacy gets... It's not like, it's not very civilized in there is it no it gets it's <laughs> like gets raided obviously a gang of people come in trying to sort of take over some sort of monopoly on the drugs in that's left in the store and they just start shooting and killing people at random you know yeah and uh fortunately she makes it out and then these this couple are kind enough to say oh yeah no it's fine we can take you this far and you think oh that's really nice of them and then they turn she's in- only trying to get to her dad's house isn't she for the first like after they've given up on the planes they can't go on the planes the next mission is to get to the dad's house yeah and uh that is between the planes and the dad's house is where you see the worst of human nature isn't it yeah yeah that's it there's a very dark central theme to the film which is based around uh you know how primal we can become in that survival survival mode. Yeah. Like look out for Mm. number one. Um, You know, when all rules and laws are thrust to the wayside and uh, then we realize who we become, you know? Yeah. Very dark. I think even Gerard Butler's character even shows a bit of that towards the end when he blocks the plane off, won't let the plane go until they're on it, you know? And it's a tiny little plane and it's fucking hundreds of people shoved in there yeah and you just i i wouldn't want to be in there it's like when they're up in the plane and he's like we've made it i was like right first of all you haven't made it you're in the air you're in a tiny little propeller plane you're flying from america to fucking greenland right across europe you know the meteor is going to hit europe and you're flying to europe (laughs) don't don't say you've made it now you haven't made it. I don't want to jinx things, but I think we're going to be all right. <laughs> I would just not until we have landed and uh, safely locked in a bunker would I even consider saying we're all right. Sigh of relief. It's it's that situation though, isn't it? Where it's just like, well, you know, if this doesn't work and we end up dying. It's okay, because we were only going to die tomorrow at 10 anyway. I think by the time I was them and I'd got to the parent, the dad's house, I don't think I'd have wanted to get up and go again. No, no, because it had been quite an ordeal to get that what far. What an ordeal, and they've only just got all back together. And it's like, yeah, come on, let's go out again. Should we go out again? <laughs> um, the dad in that, um, Scott Glenn, I think he's called. I Yep. I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything except for last week I started to watch um Stephen King series uh, Castle Rock and he's yep. he plays the sheriff in that Alan Pangborn and I never seen him in anything but I remember think, watching that thinking he's like a poor man's Sam Elliott and then reading up about this film here his role was originally in given to Sam Elliott as well <laughs> no way yeah that makes perfect sense though doesn't it and they very much sam elliotted him <laughs> in that role <laughs> i don't know if he could do much else because he's very much like that in that um 
I've only watched a couple of episodes, but it's very much the same in that Stephen King thing. I don't think he's got quite a... He has been in a lot of films from 1970 right the way through to 2020. Oh, he's Jack Crawford in The Silence of the Lambs. I didn't recognise him as that either. He was in two two of the Bourne films. He was in Sucker Punch. We all watch Sucker Punch, right? I don't know if I've seen Sucker Punch. Oh, it's a visual delight, Trev. He has done a lot of films, hasn't he? He does... Three or four years, so he must only have like little roles. But he was he was in Apocalypse Now, quite... Trev. Captain Richard M. Colby, the player. He plays himself in the player, but then everyone played themselves in the player. I haven't seen the player. Did I play myself in the player? Um, I, you played with yourself in the player. I, I remember. I the player. Remember. <laughs> the player is Tim Robbins, and he's like a, a Hollywood right. agent. Um, it's quite a good film. I think that's a Robert Altman film talking about Robert Altman the other week but yeah Scott Glenn I take it back you've been everywhere mate and I can't see even now looking at him knowing what he looks like I can't picture him as Crawford I know Crawford in Silence Lounge but I cannot make that connection between the two strange but like that's the if there's a lull in this film I wouldn't even say it's a lull they don't spend a lot of time at the dad's but that's sort of our breathing space in this yeah. movie, isn't it? When they get to get Very to wrong. their dads. And it's the time where they can get their story out of the way, you know. Yeah. Which I don't I don't know it needed that story. The you know, oh I've had an affair, I slept with someone else. You get the sense of it in the first two minutes, then you forget all about it while they're travelling, you know, they're all trying to get to the plane and get to the dads. And once they get to the dads, then he brings it all up. And then it's like, oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that. But I just think they need to, they didn't need to have that storyline, story arc. In it the was an unnecessary layer. Why do you suppose it was put there? I don't know. Nath. I, I asked this a lot. It, whenever you used to watch sort of true crime dramas in, in, in the nineties, the policeman would always have a drinking problem or, an alcoholic and now it's always marital problems or you know he's having issues with his kids or there's a separation and I just whenever I watch things like oh they've got this storyline again oh that's good I don't care about that you're not here to watch that don't you don't need to throw it in <laughs> you know what I mean yeah yeah it is um there's very limited reasons why they would have decided to make them a couple that have been separated that are trying to get back together. I mean, yes, it makes you root for them as a couple more. Maybe it's a metaphor for what happens. Because <laughs> <laughs> they they were a couple, they split up, and now and they got back together. Oh, mate, maybe you've just unlocked... In the whole film, they'd done that, you know? It's like... Didn't, didn't, need, didn't it. need it. Didn't. didn't do anything for me. That. No, well, I mean, I personally, I liked the thought that perhaps she's available. Yeah. <laughs> and you lost interest as soon as they got back together. You're like, I don't want to watch this now. The moment she got off the treadmill in the opening scene in the house, I turned it off. So, <laughs> no, she, if she gets changed out of those yoga pants, I'm done. Um, on a serious note though it's like you say it doesn't need to be there and by the time they get to the dad's house they're united 
they're together they're relieved and grateful to be in each other's company but like they rest for a moment for a moment and then Gerard Butler's like look I know where we can go there's a chance we can get out of here do you want to give it a go yeah and boom they try for it don't they they go for it yeah I had a question for you did I read this and pick up on this right but did that place get hit by a meteorite and burn to the ground as they were leaving I don't know I didn't see I didn't notice that it it's hinted at, and as they're driving away down the road, the direction that they're driving away from has a big, bright orange glow over it to suggest that that place had just been hit or blown up. It, it, they don't; it's not as an explicit. It doesn't say yes, this definitely happened, but it hints at it, which makes you think that they had to leave when they did, otherwise they'd be dead. I don't know. I didn't pick up on that myself, so maybe maybe it wasn't there. Another question is. Why were they turning the boy away? Because he had a medical condition, right? Yeah. So what does that suggest? There's not enough drugs to keep people alive. They can't guarantee their survival. But then when he gets separated from his mum and then his mum finds him and she's like, oh, God, he's he's diabetic. And like the nurse is like, this is where good nature starts to come back in of human nature. The nurse is like, we've helped him. It's all right. We've set up this pack. You've got a week supply of stuff here. Yeah. And you're like, oh, great, he's got a week. Then they get get to the end of the film. They're in the bunker for nine months. So is there drugs or isn't there drugs? How did the boy survive? I don't... I personally, when they suggested that they weren't taking anyone with diseases, I think it was just like a look. It's a zero-tolerance rule. If we're going to save some of society and start off again... Let's give ourselves fewer issues and limitations as possible. Yeah. And not take anyone that's got, you know, it's, we're not being cruel. If there's 7 billion people on the face or 8 billion people on the face of the planet, whatever, and we can only save a few thousand. It's, it's just, these are the cold hard facts people, you know, it might've been the case that if your necessity to the future of mankind was above a certain level, then, you know, we'll negate the health issue, you know? So they might have had drugs for some people. Yeah. But in that instance at the end of the film, there was just blind panic of, oh, my God, there's a group of people over there. We haven't got time to ask them. Let's just get in the bunker, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It is a difficult one with the... um with the diabetes in the insulin, because it's sort of, it's needed to drive the plot where the plot goes. But at the same time, like you say, it does raise that question of how and why did they let him in, in the end? And why did they have drugs or how, how did he survive? But I thought that same thing. And that's sort of how I reasoned it in my head. Yeah. The thing is, once he comes out the other side of it and he's been in there for nine months, do they have, the means to to provide him with insulin whilst they get to a point where they can produce insulin again? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's sort of glossed over, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, oh, it's all right. We're out now. We can breathe the air. It's like, to me, this felt like a made-for-TV film. But then I'm not the type of person who goes to watch big sort of action-y films, usually, unless they've got some substance. I don't know. I wouldn't have watched this at the cinema. It wouldn't have been one I chose. I shouldn't have thought. No. But having watched it on the thing, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, some of the effects were great. I loved the sky when the boy says, look, 
look at the, the clouds as fire in the sky or something and I loved that all the dust was spewing up and it, all the fire within the clouds that looked really great yeah another bit the the, the pilot of the the plane towards the end of the series uh, towards the end of the film the little plane yeah is an actor called Holt Holt McCallany and he's I keep banging on about this Mindhunter that I'm watching on Netflix, and he's one of the main guys in that. He's plays a character called Bill Tench in that. Right. Yeah, um, haven't seen him in anything else. Not sure what else he's he has been in, but um, he is a familiar face, isn't he? Oh my god, he's been around since 1987. He's done just as many films. Yes, he's got a very famous face, isn't he? I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything other than. Um, oh bloody hell! This Mindhunter, which I think is great, and I'm not sure that they're going to make any more, which is a real shame. But yeah, the first two seasons of that have been brilliant. So I don't know if he's always like a, a big roles, or again, always in the sort of uh, smaller roles. He plays a mechanic in Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. He's a captain in Three Kings. This is what I love doing: is joining all the dots. I watch a film, and I think, who's the director of this what have they done and if it's a decent film then i start going through their work you know directors probably more so than actors but looking at the director of greenland roman rick roman wow woff woff wow i don't know it's w-a-u-g-h he used to be a stuntman he's gone on to directing um yeah it's basically all the the angel has fallen he directed that. He's only been directing since 2001. I haven't heard of any of the other films except for Angel Has Fallen and Night Has Fallen, which I imagine is a sequel to that. Angel Has Fallen with Gerard Butler again. Yes. But, yeah, I won't be racing out to watch all his films, if I'm honest. <laughs> will you not? No, no. But I will be looking out for Holt McCallany in the background of all these other films. He was in Casualties of War. He was in Alien 3. I know, I seen that. I was like, what? Yeah. Anyway, I've took us off track again. I don't know if there's anything else I want to say about... Uh, Greenland? Greenland. Or Holt McCallan. Either. Really. McCallany. Is there anything else you'd like to bring to the table about Greenland, Nath? Um, Tell me if there is. No, it, you know, it's, it's... It was inevitable how it was going to end. You know? Yeah. You knew from the moment, you, without even watching the film, the moment you got an inkling what the film was about <laughs> from the trailer, you knew how the film was going to end, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. You knew. Um, and that's 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 pr- one of the problems with films like that. Unless the director's willing to sort of stand up and be like, no, nope, do you know what? You're not going to make it. And really shock us at the yeah, end. Yeah, we're going we're to take risks here. and uh yeah. Well, like, like I was saying about the day after. Yeah. I remember watching it as a kid thinking, how are they going to survive this? <laughs> when, when, you know, I can't understand, you know, where this film's going to go because they're looking really ill and I don't know how they can come back. Oh, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. It's not It's not an amusing thing. Well, no, it is and it isn't. But yeah. I think what the, the trouble is with films like this, they're only ever sort of put in the hands of action directors or special effects directors like the Emmerich, Roland Emmerich. 
Yeah. You never see this sort of disaster film in the hands of, say, Stanley Kubrick, you know, an artist who, or someone who really thinks deeply about the film, the, the story they're going to take, tell. There's no, there's always a, dis, a separation from realism in these things, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why I always feel disappointed watching films like this. I'm always like, it still felt like a film. It still felt like an action film. It had that, it had a nice ending. I like to watch a film where it's, it's not just gritty. It's, it's a, a level of realism to it. Um, and my, my advice to anyone who's saying to themselves exactly what you're saying after watching this film would be to go and watch Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, maybe I will then. Oh, I. Do you know what? I hope you do, and I hope you enjoy it. I will. I'll have a look at that. Maybe we should review that at some point. Yeah, definitely. I've put it on the list. I've got a list. I'd watch that again. Building up the list. Well, Nath, thank you, my son. No, thank you. It's been ever so nice to talk to you about this film. I forgot it. <laughs> 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 this film has left such an imprint <laughs> it's burnt an impression on someone else's head I'm sure Greenland Greenland Gerard cool Nate, take it easy my chief you too bro and thanks everyone for listening bye bye